Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat episode 635. Hello, Super Ninfrendos. I am your host, Seth G. Macy. The G is for money. I am joined this week by Mitchell Zalsman. Hello, hello. Industry legend, Kat Bailey. Hi, Seth. Hello. And joining us again, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the favorite back characters in the NVC story, Aww. the one that everybody wants to be broken out to his own miniseries, Logan Plant. Give me the spinoff. Thanks for having me, Seth. This, the six-issue miniseries <laughs> is highly collectible and, can, and, and it contains special stickers. It's just Logan's head uh, and different emotions. Scratch and sniff? They're, they're scratch and sniff. <laughs> wow, this smells like Logan. It's very exciting. So, wow. Ah, what, a, what a week. It is the end of October, which is absolutely bananas to me um i hope everyone's ready to go trick-or-treating i did not wear my costume today because Im immediately after the show i have to travel to another part of maine and i didn't want to dress up you know i didn't want to go across maine dressed like uh, shaggy two dope from insane clown posse so that's why there's no i wasn't going to do that anyway but hey cat what's new with you what is new for me actually a little bit of sad news oh no seth oh, no, no, no 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 i know i'm grieving right here actually um no, the uh, yesterday, as of the recording of this podcast, we broke the news that actually uh, Sega legend, RPG legend, the queen of RPGs, the first lady of RPGs, Ryoko Kodama, died back in May. Um, oh, wow. For those who aren't aware, she is a real pioneer in the world of RPGs, in addition to being one of the uh, first and most foremost women in uh, Japanese game development starting back in the mid-1980s, working with uh, folks like Yu Suzuki. She also uh, was the director of Fantasy Star IV. Uh, she oh, worked on one. Skies of Arcadia. Oh. Uh, she worked on one of the first RPGs with a female protagonist, which was practically unheard of in the mid-1980s. Uh, she was very humble, very private when she won the Pioneer Award at the Game Developers' Choice Awards back in uh, 2019, she said, look, it's a team effort. I don't like necessarily being singled out and that kind of thing, but it's obvious that she inspired a lot of people, including me. So rest in peace, Ryoko Kodama, you died too early. Yeah, that is, that is really sad. The uh, original fantasy star, especially the, um, the Sega Ages version that you can buy on Nintendo Switch, absolutely highly recommend um, getting it. I think it's like $7. And it's about 20 hours, and it has a lot of quality of life stuff. Actually, Kat, you're the one who told me that this was the best way to play it, and I took your advice, and I was very happy. Yeah, this is a, a great game. It's, it's almost hard to believe that this game was on the Sega Master System, which was the basically you know Sega's answer to, well, not Sega's answer to, but that was the 8-bit Sega system before the Sega Genesis. And like the, that game is just... It's so beautiful and colorful and the, the sprites of the enemies. I remember, you know, being in a, a sleepover, I've told this story, and just like a little crack began to appear in my Nintendo uh, loyalty that was before that unquestioning. And yeah, so that is, that is some sad news. So Yeah, yeah. As Seth said, go and play uh, the Sega Ages version of Fantasy Star. It's on Nintendo Switch. Uh, very short little RPG. And the quality of life improvements that she made. Uh, actually, she worked on the Sega Ages games in the 2010s. That's so cool. So she had a hand in that as well. She was very active uh, 
right up until the end for the most part. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that's it's a great little RPG. Really pretty. Yeah. Quite beautiful and a lot of fun to play. So yeah. I strongly recommend it. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, actually, and Fantasy Star 4, I believe if you have the expansion pass, that's on the Genesis on a Nintendo Switch online service. And that is the best one. Even though I've never beaten it, it is super good. It's maybe one of the best 16-bit RPGs that there are. But any anything uh, else happening in the world of Cat this week? Anything else happening in the world of Cat? No, no. absolutely not. No. Nothing at uh, all. Very quiet. Yeah. Just uh, keeping keeping with it. I watched the end of House of the Dragon. And? Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting finale. I, I'm not going to spoil it. Not going to spoil it. Do they Except, make uh, this House of a Dragon a home of a interesting, dragon? Interesting, interesting choices by uh, some of the characters in that show. I, also, I can't believe that show has got me rooting for Team Black. The incest team. Very strange. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> House of the Dragon truly makes fools of us all. That's all I got to say about that. I haven't watched a single episode of it because the uh, the last season of Game of Thrones left such a bad taste in my mouth. Or I should say the last season really? and a half. Well, I think once they started just giving everybody what they wanted, um, the, as far as the writers were concerned, uh, I think it really took a turn for the down. It, I think Game of Thrones was better when all the people you liked died and you never got what you wanted. Um, so, But you say how, I... it's worth watching. It is. Okay. There's also another one more thing. Uh, I, I, I finally turned around the Steam Deck. I like Ooh. my Steam Deck now. Okay. What made you come around to liking the Steam Deck? I loaded it with Super Nintendo games, Seth. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> another one I for the emulation deck. I was just deck. like, ah, screw it. <laughs> I got Emmy Deck on it. I uh, loaded up with uh, Super Nintendo games, as I've done with so many other things. And I'm like, I'm in. And you know what's amazing on this thing? GameCube games. Really? GameCube games are on the Steam Deck. Are amazing on Steam Deck. I was playing Star Fox Assault on that thing. Incredible. Okay. Incredible. It's all about game preservation, Seth. I know. Oh, I know. That's what it is. <laughs> Historical. I'm preserving for those games. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's no judgment from from me. Wow. I oh look at that. Showing off. Yes, that's Super Robot Wars Z, Ooh. a PS2 game uh, that I also put on my Steam Deck. So no, I make no apologies for putting uh, <laughs> emulators on that thing, but. Also, I've been playing Persona 5 Royal on it, and I was making a hard decision. Do I put Persona 5 Royal on my Switch, or do I put it on my Steam Deck? Mm. And I ultimately decided Steam Deck uh, because I was like, well, you know, I can play on my PC. The The frame rates are going to be a nice add. It's portable. And wow, oh, wow, yeah. does Persona 5 Royal look great on the steam deck oh. it's funny uh holding my my switch because when i put my steam deck next to the switch it's like the big old dragon yeah. with the little dragon at the end of house of the dragon oh spoilers for you the end of house about. of the dragon there are dragons in house of the dragon what? spoiler alert uh, crap. but where do they live uh, in in the in the dragon pit obviously they, oh i thought they lived in the house not not the house yeah. <laughs> not the house no it's 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 kind of lying about it Damn. the steam deck is humongous but yes. persona 5 royal looks amazing on it and being able to play it portably has just completely refreshed me on that series and now i want to finally make a push to actually finishing this thing because it's one of the best rpgs ever made uh well i think that is funny that you should mention because i loaded it on my nintendo switch um because 
because I just didn't want to put it on my Steam Deck because I, I know that primarily I will play most of it on my big TV. It looks and runs pretty decent. I don't really have any complaints, although I'm sure if I saw it running at 60 FPS, um, I would change my tune a little bit. But as, if you're on the fence about Persona 5 uh, on Switch, uh, yeah, go for it. I also put off getting this game forever and ever, and I wish I... I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I'm playing it now because now Cat... You and I can like trade stories about playing it because this is a super absolute Seth Macy game. Like I am really liking this uh, a lot. And I'm, I wish, I mean, like I'm, I'm happy to be hanging out with the, the three of you, but I kind of wish I were playing persona five oh, me too. right now. Cause Honestly. Um, I've been playing another and game that I'm not as excited about, but this one uh, is probably going to take up all my time. So. In all seriousness, uh, Persona 5 Royal, the frame rates are a nice to have rather than a necessary to have because mm -hmm. it's it's freaking visual novel yeah. at the end of the day. So it's like whatever. But uh, yeah, no, if you get on Switch, uh, they did a really, really nice job yeah. uh, with this one. No. So very good. Um, yeah, it, it's completely I don't have not seen any f issues that would make me not want to recommend this. So yeah, if you like, uh, I, if you like extremely stylish RPGs that don't necessarily make any sense, then this is the game for you. But uh, Logan, you are joining us for the for yeah. to, to to tell us what you've been up to this week. How, how are you doing, man? I haven't talked to you in forever. I'm doing well. Happy to be back on NBC. And one of the things I always have to bring up on NBC is F Zero. I have to do my due diligence. Okay. as an f-zero fan uh but thanks you for your service yeah <laughs> it's got to come back i think last time i was on pair and i did this huge f-zero segment but today i want to talk about aero gpx which is a f-zero inspired indie game uh the developer's name is aaron mcdevitt super cool guy i talked to him did an interview that's on ign from last year and now he's progressed to the point where he's launched his kickstarter for the game and it's already fully funded so congrats to them over there. Oh, wow. Here's some footage ooh, on the screen. Ooh. Very F-Zero. It is. Yeah. I, I seek out so many F-Zero clones and just none of the ones I've played have ever really captured the essence of F-Zero X from the 64 and GX from the GameCube like Aero GPX does. But it also does some of its own stuff too. Like you see, it has the the aerial uh, the aerial racing where you do these uh, the spin move you see that can pick yeah. up like thousands of kilometers per hour uh, and it has a boost meter and a health meter which is a little different than f-zero x and gx which have them combined so super cool kickstarter is is, is still ongoing so if you're an f-zero fan you owe it to yourself to check this out there's some some cool stretch goals in there like another grand prix if if it hits a certain milestone so this is a super cool game it is the most excited i've been about an f-zero like uh, ever so yeah check it out if wow. you like f-zero because i don't see nintendo bringing it back anytime soon so this is the closest we're going to get. <laughs> Any Logan, day this looks now. Sick. Yeah, this, this looks really good. I, like, I have never seen this game before. I'd never heard of it. So just watching this B-roll is like my first exposure to it, to it. And I want this game. The art style is striking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it runs it's... buttery smooth. It, it just runs amazing. Uh, there's a demo on Steam, which I kind of play nonstop. There's five tracks in it. And it's just, <laughs> it is just so addicting, so much fun. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. How's the music? Is the music F-Zero level? Oh yeah, music's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, and they have character. They have pilot concept art that's coming out too. They're making characters just like F Zero has super memorable pilots. So yeah, it's everything. In like Samurai Goro, the best one. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like the skeleton who like was the champion of the like original F Zero Cup a thousand years ago, and now he's he's back in F Zero GX. That's always my guy. 
So it's secretly cool. Mortal Kombat, but it's a racing game <laughs> yeah. in the future. Yep. <laughs> There's a back on the box, back of the box quote right there. <laughs> so what? So what you're saying is that like Outworld is going to explode into uh, uh, into the world of F Zero, and it's going to have demons taking over, or is this like Star Fox being in the same world as F Zero? Yeah, because there's also the, the wolf character in F Zero GX that's basically just wolf from and isn't there james mcleod also yeah there's there james mcleod james mcleod yeah. is is in yeah. f-zero in star fox uh star fox command one of the canonical endings is that star fox and uh, fox and falco start their own racing team in oh, f-zero no way that's sick yeah that that was the foundation of the rumors of star fox gp <laughs> back in the day yeah. uh wow. which of course never happened oh it's it's sitting on the shelf it's completed they're waiting to release it any day now Somebody was asking, "What are the, what what is the one thing that we want to know uh, oh, from yeah, the, yeah, the last from Nintendo?" Yeah, it's like, "What is the game that was fully completed and canceled and now just sits on a shelf somewhere?" And that would be Star Fox GP. Star Fox GP. <laughs> uh, that Arrow GPX is that kick? So you said the Kickstarter is fully funded and they're just in their stretch goals now? Yep, yep. Uh -huh, and it's okay. got like uh, about a month to go, I think. Okay, and this is going to come to Steam? Is it going to come it's to coming Switch? coming to Steam, uh, and the, the devs really want a Switch port. They say it belongs on Switch. They're not committing to anything right now, but yeah. I, I like to think it'll end up there. It, it totally belongs there. and Everything does awesome. at this point. Yes, yeah. exactly. Everything is on Switch. Thank goodness we finally got Persona 5 on Switch. We Thank God. Never thought we would, but... Man, I I really like that game, and I've only played like an hour and a half of it, which is crazy. But I'm like, oh my god, that's one of the best openings. Yeah, like seeing that opening again, I'm just like, what an opening for an yeah. RPG! So exciting, you know. Yep. Starting in in media res like that, love it, and especially after playing the original and knowing all the context and all the characters and everything, and then of course they add a new character for Royal. Ah, so good. Go play it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm playing. Between that, well, actually, one a funny thing happened. I was going to start playing it uh, whenever it was the, the night that it came out. I bought it and I downloaded it, and uh, I had a game of Mario plus Rabbids going, and I was like, "Well, I, I better save out of that. Like, I don't want to lose my progress." And then I ended up playing that game for two and a half hours. That's a really good game too. So if you yes. haven't played um, Sparks of Hope. Highly recommend that one too. It, we're eating good as far as uh, video. You haven't played it. Switch owners are switch owners are eating right now. It's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you like dig this genre, Mitchell, but um, I do actually. I really, really do want to play. It's just you know, I was busy playing the game that we're going to talk about next and a right, bunch right, of other right. games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I think There's one no of the time. things that I really like about it is it's just it's pretty bite sized. You can just drop in and like do a mission if you want which is what i intended to do i was going to like beat a mission save it and then play persona and i ended up I'm like well i'll play another and i'll play another and i ended up just you know two and a half hours of of uh kingdom battle when i didn't or excuse me um sparks of hope when i had no intention of doing that and it it kept me from playing persona 5 but that's okay um i have some some news some sad news that then became happy news again which I hadn't shared yet. Um, I might. I, I think I've mentioned my my beautiful Sony Trinitron 
Wega 27 inch CRT TV that sits right here behind me. The one that you rescued oh, and that, adopted? That I, that I brought home from the shelter. Yep. It was, you know, everyone just kept walking by. They, they were looking for the LCD TVs or the And OLEDs. it jumped up and it was wagging its it little wagging uh, extension its, cord. It was wagging its little <laughs> extension me, cord at me. And I said, oh, I don't know. Cause they're, they're so, you know, they take up so much room and they make a mess, but I brought it home. I wrestled it down the stairs. My house is like weird stairs and this is not, it's 75 pounds. It's not like the most heaviest thing in the world, but it's also very, very awkward. Um, I'm doing a video about CRTs actually. And I went to turn this on to get some B-roll and it, I heard a boom, <gasps> and then the colors were just awful. Like, oh no, where it was, no. where it was blue, you know, the blue screen. Uh, it was like red and green on the edges and it was looking just horrible. And I was thinking, oh my God. I mean, thankfully, um, I have another pretty decent one that a listener who uh, has a house in Maine gave me, but not as good as this one. So I called in my brother, like, oh, I'm going to have to come and get that one back. But um, turned it on yesterday and it worked fine. In fact, it works. It works better. There was some distortion at the edges when I first was using it, and that is gone. So I don't know what. I mean, I'm sure it's on its way out. This tube is. I think it was uh, built in 2006, so that makes it a 16 year old, you know, cathode ray tube, with like 10,000 volts or whatever it is, surging through it. But yeah, it works now, and it works better than it did before. For now, so <sighs> I was very scared that I was going to have to haul this thing back out of the house and put then, it to sleep yeah oh yeah <laughs> pay the 20 dollars to take it to um crt camp where i would leave it and never see it again i had these like ideas i was like you know what i'll repair it it's probably just a bad capacitor and i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna open this thing up and repair it there's like no room it's a 27 inch <laughs> crt but it works now and i'm very excited and um that means i can go back to playing old video games and watching um vhs anime that i love finally yeah i yeah. love that you're watching vhs anime yeah i vhs nostalgia is hilarious to me i'm i, I get why it exists i suppose because you know analog it's analog right it's yes. not literally oh, no, on it's, tape, but... it's one of the worst ways to watch anything <laughs> like vhs deteriorates yeah every time you watch you know? it you're destroying a little bit of it yeah yeah I, the best thing is even the sleeves, you know, the, the sleeve art, it's not that good, you know? Yeah, well, uh, see what I like is it's all right. So I'm watching, um, project Aco versus battle gray versus blue volume one. And this is, okay. uh, like a takeoff of the project Aco series. And this is one of those ones that I bought back in the nineties. You didn't know anything about anime. You just went to the store and you're like, I hope this one's good. Cause it's $45. <laughs> and then this was, this one was really good. This is like hilarious and weird. And it's got some really good action in it and some like really ridiculous characters. And I love it very much. And so this is one of the ones I'm watching. I don't think it's on Blu-ray or DVD, but if I've you do literally find never heard of this series. I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. This yeah. Yeah, project. Echo. What what's, what's the, uh, the tagline? Uh, it's, versus battle gray side and then part two is okay. versus battle blue side and ah. that has this is non-canonical i didn't even know project echo when i watched like a real project echo i was like well this sucks it's really serious and that is that one right there is not but it's got all that cool 90s like whatever 
it's some dumb nerd old man stuff that i that i'm into but yeah i spend money on anime vhs cassette tapes to add to my collection but hey uh hey mitchell how you doing hey i'm doing great how are you oh man <laughs> I, I hear there's a real fun game that uh maybe you've been playing but anything else going on in your life <laughs> so so much but okay. uh relevant to nintendo stuff uh you know bayonetta 3 is coming out and Ooh. uh yeah i just reviewed it uh it's it's awesome i mean it's i, I don't think it should be any surprise to people that bayonetta 3 along with Bayonetta 2 and 1 are awesome are all awesome games. Yeah. Um what surprised me about Bayonetta 3 was that it's actually very ambitious in how it changes up the the combat and you know the the different moves that it gives Bayonetta because Bayonetta 2 was a very iterative sequel. There there really wasn't much that you were getting out of Bayonetta 2 that you weren't getting out of Bayonetta 1 outside of like a new story and mm. you know a couple of new me mechanics like small new mechanics to the combat. Um, but Bayonetta 3, like it adds this whole new system involving the, uh, it's called like the, the, the demon slave mechanic where you're able to take your summons that you typically use for finishing moves and just bring them right into the actual combat. You can control them with the left stick while you're controlling them. Bayonetta is dancing the whole time. She's super vulnerable, but it, it makes up for it by the fact that like your summons are just absurdly strong. Um, and there's just like this really incredible feeling of power that, uh, you know, always existed in the Bayonetta series, but it's just taken up to another level in Bayonetta three. Um, it's funny. I was actually talking with, uh, Joey from game explain about this a couple of days ago, but he, he, he made the, the point that there's actually elements that you can see in Bayonetta three that were kind of you could see in scale uh scalebound when they were first oh, you know, showing that game off because it is that same kind of thing of your you know in scalebound it was about controlling a dragon in right. this you control all kinds of different you know dragon like monsters uh, uh for those who might not be unfamiliar scalebound is a pretty famously canceled xbox game by platinum extremely canceled extremely <laughs> canceled yeah also held by by kamiya yeah. yeah, Kamiya, like every few few months says, hey, would love to uh, get that game going again, <laughs> Phil. How about it, <laughs> Phil? The closest we'll get is Phil will probably wear like a Scalebound uh, shirt on stage. for. We'll see, like, a, we'll see a dragon on the shelf and it'll be like, Scalebound! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite uh, Christmas tradition, dragon on the shelf. Anyway, I'm sorry, Mitchell. You, uh, you're saying there's some little, little tidbits from Scalebound that made it yeah. that way into... Yeah, it, it kind of feels like, you know, you can see you can see what, you know, a, a taste of what Scalebound could have been in in playing mm. as uh playing with Bayonetta 3. But uh but yeah, like, you know, it's it's a fantastic game. I I was let down by the story. Um, you know, Bayonetta 1 2, a lot of people will say you don't play Bayonetta for the story. But I think Bayonetta Bayonetta 1 2 have an underrated uh, you know, story and like the connectivity between those two games and the the lore that they that they've created for that world is actually pretty interesting. Um, but Bayonetta three really doesn't do anything with it. It's it's almost yeah. entirely standalone. Um, you know, it would be great going into it if you knew who the characters were, but you can kind of pick up on that if you just you know jump into Bayonetta three and didn't play the other two. Um, so yeah, a little disappointed by the story. But everything else, the 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 combat, 
Uh, also, I would say a little bit disappointed by the the visuals and the performance. This is definitely oh, one that's of those... I was curious about that. What's uh, what's what's the deal with the performance? So here's the thing. Uh, they try some really again a really ambitious stuff with the the combat sequences in this game. It's like you know really high detail character models doing stuff that's super like fast paced like you're you're surfing on like a tidal wave that is going yeah. over new york city new york is like yes. you know getting swept up in the background there's all part kinds of particles going on and so like you know the the frame rate takes a hit during those moments and you know going from bayonetta 2 which i think bayonetta 2 and bayonetta 1 which on the switch performed flawlessly like it's just yeah steady 60 frames per second regardless of the crazy stuff that's happening in those games. And those games have some crazy stuff too. So like coming into Bayonetta 3 and having those big wild set piece moments and seeing the, the frame rate suffer a little bit, you know, a little bit disappointing. Man. But yeah, uh, you know, what, I, I, what, what's your guys' uh, history with Bayonetta? Because I'd love to like, you know, talk about, talk about it with, you know, anything that you guys bring up. Yeah, uh, Logan, what's your history with Bayonetta? Yeah, I played and finished the first one. I have the second one, but haven't gotten around to not playing that one. But something I was wondering, Mitchell, is in your review, you mentioned that this one more than the other two shakes up the gameplay with like stealth side missions or, or rhythm mm. game boss battles. And uh, to me, that, that sounds a little bit like No More Heroes and, and how that mm. kind of changes the gameplay at the drop of the hat. Would you say that's kind of a, a fair comparison? Yeah, there's definitely some some pseudo inspirations, I would say, um, specifically in those John uh, 2D sections, um, because it, it does have that kind of thing of it's using like the the combat system of Bayonetta, but it's adapting it to a different style of game. So like, you know, it's a 2D stealth game where if you get behind someone, you press two buttons at the same time, you do a quick instant takedown. But if they if they see you it becomes like a you know a straight up fight using the the same combos that you'd be using but they're a little more they're a little more durable and it's not really the way you want to go you know you don't want to just go into it everyone from the front um so yeah so like and during those those weird 2d sections there's like parts where you can like pose in front of a in front of a poster do like a little <laughs> sexy pose uh you, you can like go into a shower stall and then a stupid little demon walks in and then you slam it against the wall. Um, there's all kinds of little, little fun, the silly moments like that. Uh, and then beyond the, the 2d section. Yeah. Like I said, there's all kinds of every boss battle, basically every like major boss battle changes up the gameplay a little bit. So you'll have like almost contextual controls based on what's happening in, in the actual battle itself i don't want to spoil it because there's some of the highest like the best moments of the game oh okay but, uh but yeah there's there's a bunch of different moments in in bayonetta 3 that really change up how you're actually playing it in ways that i think are better than the ways bayonetta 1 2 did it because bayonetta 1 2 you pretty much just have like the arcade shooter uh shooter things and i wasn't a big fan of those so i was glad not to really see those return okay Kat, what's your uh, background with the Bayonetta series? Yeah, I remember when the original Bayonetta was coming out on the Xbox 360. Actually, when I got my start in the games media, one of the first things I ever did was 
transcribed some interviews uh, for James Milky. He was in town. Uh, another he was in Tokyo legend. to interview Kamiya about Bayonetta. So I'll never forget listening to Bayonetta or listening to Kamiya show off the original Bayonetta for the first time and hearing Milky react and going like, oh, what's going on with their hair? Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> and so like, I could only imagine, like literally I could only imagine in my head <clears throat> what was going on uh, with that game uh, until I actually got to see screenshots and everything. One of the things that I remember saying, Kami is saying about Bayonetta was that if the keyword for Dante in Devil May Cry was cool, then the keyword for Bayonetta was sexy mm -hmm. because, of course, uh, the little witch glasses and everything. But I've always found her to be a cool and powerful figure. Um, there's a lot of discourse around the ending. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, I'd be interested for your take, uh, Mitchell, on how it all ends up. I'll say that I'm not surprised by how it ultimately ended up, knowing kind of like what her origins were ultimately. Mm. But um, uh, as for the series itself, I have great respect for the action of Bayonetta 1 and 2. Um, especially the original. Oh my gosh, it was so amazing on the uh, the Xbox 360, mm. greatly underappreciated in this day and arguably still underappreciated now. Bayonetta 2 was uh, even better. I played through it in its entirety when it first came out on the Wii U on a live stream. Actually, I, oh, I love the Star Fox. I love the Star Fox uh, little thing because, of course. Of course. Uh, I, I love Bayonetta's. I don't... Uh, she's a girl power, very powerful lady. <laughs> she has guns in her guns in her she's shoes. Got guns in her shoes. What's not to like? She uh, she revived the lost art of walking stilettos. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny you mentioned like the you know the guns on her shoes because I, and I I also talk about it in, in the review like Bayonetta's arsenal of weapons is just one of the wildest and craziest arsenals of any video game I've ever played. And the one, yeah, the, that goes for all of the Bayonetta games, but Bayonetta 3 especially, like, turns it up to 11. Um, I mentioned, again, in the review, there's a uh, a train, <laughs> a demon train that you get to wield, and uh, you basically, like, it, it, it ends up being, like, a, a giant club with uh, chainsaw wheels, and you can oh, use it like yeah. a chainsaw. And then you can like flip it on the ground. You can ride it and crane it into enemies. You can do wheelies on it. Um, it is very similar to a weapon in Devil May Cry 5. I'm sure that's where Kamiya got the idea from. Um, but then there's that, that's it right there if you're watching the, the video. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, do you suplex it? Oh, ooh. I mean, you do, you do all sorts of things with it. Um, oh, but nice. what's cool about it is that you can like charge it up. If you charge it too long, then the you know it, it kind of breaks. But if you charge it just the right amount of time, you do like a ton of damage with it. Cool. Um, there's like also this uh, these yo-yos where you can throw them out, and they they're really good at hitting far away enemies. But when you use the kick, you you actually like spin towards them, and like the yo-yos go all around your body. So it's there's just such a great variety, and what I love so much about the the weapons in Bayonetta three is that you're really free to use them however you want. It's it's not one of those things where certain weapons work better on certain enemies. Um, you're really free to just, you know, almost... I, I, I picture the, the, the combat of 
Bayonetta and Devil May Cry almost like a, a canvas for artists because there's so many different things you can do and so many ways you can like express yourself with the combat of this game that you know it's it's almost just like watching watching an art piece like sometimes if they're really good at it and they know what they're doing uh it's just it's so impressive to just watch um so you get rank i'm i'm sure you do but uh the s rank system is back for levels like Mm -hmm. is it because that was my big thing is i just would like to go back and just try to s rank level after level so knowing yep. that I can do that is is very excited and the gremlin spider also very <laughs> yeah cool. uh, Kat touched on it but I'm curious you know without spoiling it how did you feel about the ending of the game so I think the story is is the weakest part um and what I'll say about the ending is again I don't want to spoil anything for for people um but there are characters in Bayonetta 3 I think that behave completely differently than they did in Bayonetta 1, 2, and, like, the interactions between characters and, like, you know, the the relationships, I think, between certain characters is portrayed differently in Bayonetta 3 than it was in Bayonetta 1, 2. Mm. Um, so I, I, can see, I can see there being disappointment on that front. For me, I just... The story did a really bad job of of building up its villain and making like the big emotional payoffs worth, you know, they, they didn't really build towards these, these big emotional payoffs right. that happen towards the end of the, of the story is, is kind yeah. of my take on it. Bayonetta with emotional payoffs. Amazing. Um, <laughs> How's the voice acting? I think... oh, sorry, oh, it's Kat. phenomenal. It's, it's really, really good. Jennifer Hill does an incredible job picking up on Bayonetta and you know, there's, there's a lot of different bayonetas in this game. I don't think that's a spoiler. It's it's pretty much the center the center of the marketing. Um and Jennifer Hale puts like a nice little unique spin on each of them that sounds familiar but also a little bit different depending on you know their their background so to speak. Yeah. So this is this is a multiverse. Would it, is that fair to say it's a it multiverse? It is a multiverse. Game? Yes. God damn. I'm so sick of multiverses, <laughs> but I will I will give Bayonetta an, a, a pass, but Logan, you've actually been doing a lot of reporting uh, for IGN News on the uh, voice actor situation. Is that correct? Yeah, we got a big piece going up on Friday morning, same day that Bayonetta, Bayonetta 3 launches, kind of digging into uh, a little bit more about voice actor pay, the, the conversation that was kind of spurred by Helena Taylor speaking out originally. All the various developments that happened with that story with, with Jason Schreier's reporting and everything else. Uh, but we went and spoke to a, a couple voice actors and someone with experience as a voice director. Kind of what is what does fair pay look like in the voice mm. actor industry? What uh, What is the workload like? What are these people getting compensated for these roles? And then it kind of also goes into what some actors want to see change in the voice actor industry. So that's going up tomorrow. So check that out, IGN.com. Very cool. Now, my, my last question for you, Logan, are you going to be picking up? Bayonetta three, not yet. I'm still playing Splatoon three. I'm still playing that pretty much every day. So I'm, you can have yeah. both. You can play more than one. There's game. too much. There's too much to play all the time. So the Nintendo police won't come and arrest you. I yeah, and then there's Mario <laughs> plus Rabbids, and then yeah. we got a huge game coming out in a couple of weeks that we're going to talk about here too that I'm very excited about. So oh yeah, busy yeah, time. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in just a moment. Cat, are you going to be are you going to be picking up Bayonetta three? I have to say that I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised by 
it's positive reception uh, because I was kind of bracing myself a bit because there have been rumors for several years now that the development has been a bit troubled, mm. that their concepts behind it might have been a bit too ambitious, all things considered. But this is not a new thing for Platinum where they uh, are coming up with these really ambitious ideas, but they're unable to execute upon them. Arguably, that's what the fate of Scalebound was. Yeah. Um, and early on, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of disc a lot of discourse in circles that I run in around the graphics, <laughs> and specifically how, in their view, it was a step a significant step down mm. from Bayonetta two in a lot of respects because, like, especially the environments mm -hmm. uh, were a lot simpler to accommodate the more open ended uh, areas and exploration. So I have to say that I'm pleasantly surprised that it ended up coming out as well as it did, because I was bracing myself a little bit for it to not be a disaster, so to speak, but for it to not be, uh, to be a step down from Bayonetta 2. To be yeah. mid, and, as the kids and I, say. And I would say that, you know, the the comments about the graphics are absolutely, like, you know, on point. I do think there are moments where Bayonetta 3 looks really good, but for the most part, you know, going back to Bayonetta three, Bayonetta two, I actually beat Bayonetta two on the plane on a plane ride I was on because I didn't want to play this game that was still under embargo. Oh right, in a public place. <laughs> so I I decided to play Bayonetta two instead, and uh, Bayonetta two, despite being uh, you know a game that debuted on the Wii U, and then you know was <laughs> two thousand fourteen kind of, is that when yeah, that game came and out? then was yeah. kind of uh, you know made prettier on the Switch. Uh, Bayonetta 2 still looks really, really good, and it still performs phenomenally on the Switch. Um, this game only looks good in certain spots, and in other spots it looks pretty bad. Um, but again, you know, I think where it matters the most is the combat, and the combat in this game is unique, both in terms of other action games and just within Bayonetta itself. Uh, and the you know the mechanics that it adds are just extraordinary. Oh, it, it just looks so fun! I'm so excited for it. I can't wait. I actually i I did cancel my uh, special edition though because I realized I don't need another special edition. I never opened, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited. It's coming out tomorrow. But a game that's not coming out tomorrow that Logan you touched on, Sonic Frontiers. I'm gonna ask you right now, how are you feeling about Sonic Frontiers? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. Yeah. I've been seeing all the previews. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a part of the Sonic cycle. I'll fall full on admit it. I, <laughs> I get excited and then absolutely. I bought into in. that Sonic cycle. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm all in. Uh, but this one looks good. And and Mitchell had a preview that I'm sure we're going to talk about. But one thing there, in a lot of ways, Sonic Frontiers feels like a, a Tony Hawk game, and kind of that's what I've been saying for years. That this is what I've wanted kind of open world, open zone, whatever buzzword you want to use Sonic to feel like is kind of the example I've also used is like Forza Horizon 5. Like I play that and I'm like, man, this is what I want an open world Sonic to feel like where there's like a collectible or something that you just see on like a rooftop and you can't get there naturally, but then using the world around you, you can manipulate your speed, the momentum to hurl yourself up there. And Sonic Frontier seems to be doing a little of that. Uh, I'm excited to get hands on with it myself, but Definitely optimistic after the absolute dumpster fire that was Sonic Forces, uh, that they took Aww. a step back, kind of reevaluated, and are, are there taking are it Sonic Forces truthers out there? Are there really? <laughs> Man, oh, yeah. That yeah. game. <laughs> that game is yeah. not good. 
the Sonic community is something else. Yep. I agree with you on the Sonic as Tony Hawk thing. I think that's an amazing thing. And I'm wondering, somebody surely has modded Sonic into the PC version of those uh, remastered games, right? Has to be. Because it would be so Got fun it, yeah. to, you know, be grinding down rails and everything. Yeah. Uh, and the various locales in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Sonic loves a warehouse and he loves secret tapes as well. Okay, are you you're feeling good about it? Or are you feeling how are you feeling? Wow, Seth, <laughs> please don't judge me. I'm not gonna judge you. I'm I'm wholly indifferent to this game. Oh, see, yeah. <laughs> I just I have no interest in Sonic uh, Frontiers. Uh, the first time, like I, I think it takes a lot for me to become invested in a Sonic game anyway. Mm. Um, because I'm not naturally that big a fan of the character. I, I love Sonic when I was very young, like during the Sonic 2 era, during the original animated shows yeah. and everything. Enjoy the, the movies, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm not a, I'm going to play literally every Sonic game person, um, and I'll kind of cop to that. So I think it takes a lot for me to be like really excited and really invested in a, a, a Sonic game, especially a, a 3D Sonic game. Yeah. And... From the start, I think the open world and how it was, it seemed kind of barren and did not really grab me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I, I think I'm going to pass on this one. I, I played some of the courses. They reminded me of Sonic Adventure. I know that there's an entire generation of kids who grew up with Sonic Adventure 2. Oh, yeah. And That's like me. stand that game hard. <laughs> I don't love Sonic Adventure 2, actually. Uh, the last Sonic game I loved was Sonic Mania. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a pass for me. Okay. Actually, hey, this is a judgment free zone. This, this I'm is in the, the point. Thank you. I'm, rare, I'm relieved. Phew. I'm in the very Sonic fans are going to get me, that though. I think Sonic Adventure 1 is better than 2, uh, which I know is a very hot take. I don't know, uh, I don't know any Sonic Adventure 1 fans. Yeah, I like that I, game more. Wow. The people oh. who, stand who, for, who stand for Sonic Adventure 2 on the GameCube in particular, those are the ones. Those are the ones we, who we definitely the had a video of. We definitely had a top 10 video of uh, the best Sonic games, and we definitely had some back and forth between people who, who were Sonic, and one, Sonic Adventure 1 fans over Sonic Adventure 2. Wow. You picked the right uh, number I one. Think... You picked the right one. That's all it is. <laughs> still never topped Sonic 2. It's the best one. Sorry. It really is. It's very Can't good. Can't take. Uh, it's controversial, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's maybe redundant to ask you, Mitchell, but how are you feeling about Sonic Frontiers? Like, you only spent like countless hours writing about. You literally feelings, played. But... I, it's probably the game I've I've played the most of at, in like terms of preview preview coverage. Ten oh, hours in this game at this point. Oh wow, that's astonishing! It's a lot of Sonic Frontiers. For, it's a lot of Sonic yeah. Frontiers. Uh, but no, the I... length of Sonic Forces in total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, way way longer. Longer than Sonic Four, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I I'm a big fan of of what I've played so far, um, and I say so far because even though I've played ten hours, like this game is big. It's it's a monstrous game, um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good step forward for for the Sonic franchise. Whether or not okay. they you know continue with it with the next one, or they do something else as they tend to do with Sonic games whenever they start off with with something that seems like a good step forward they pivot immediately um 
So, but yeah, I, I, uh, I think this game is going to be much better than Sonic Forces at the very least. Um, <laughs> High and, praise indeed. <laughs> That's a I mean, I, I said it like right from the beginning, like Sonic Forces to me was a disaster. Um, yes. And this is definitely far from that. Um, you know, whether or not people enjoy it will be whether or not they're, they're willing to accept Sonic in a, in a different style of, of game, because it is very different. Um, you know, there are the cyberspace levels, which are that traditional Sonic experience, but the open world stuff, which is the stuff that you're doing most of the time, it's a very different style of Sonic game. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, the open world is a little bit barren in terms of other life forms, but there's tons of things to do literally literally like every 30 feet um so yeah i i think i think people will be pleasantly surprised by this game okay. that said i have not played a switch version of it so i don't know how the switch version is going to run and i think performance is going to be a big yeah a big yeah. sticking point in this game because yeah. it's interesting playing... because i've heard that Sonic Frontiers is being prioritized on Switch because they really? want oh, Japanese fans to play it. That's ah. why it doesn't look as good on uh, the other consoles. That interesting. makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if if this game is able to perform as good as on the Switch, as good as it has on you know the PC builds that I've been playing, I think I think Sonic Frontiers is going to be a special game on the Switch. Okay, what's the uh, release date for Sonic Frontiers? November eighth. November eighth. Yeah. So crazy! It's so close. Mm-hmm. Day before God of War. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I'm playing that week, and it's so. Uh, <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, oh yeah, these games are a couple months out. You know, coming out in November. No, it's October 28th. Yep. At yeah, this point, it's, it's the. Yeah, we are done. November is almost here. The, I got two my... questions about Sonic Mitchell. Number <laughs> one. I'm worried about the combat. I'm worried that the combat's going to get real old. Combat in 3D Sonic games, whether you're looking at Unleashed, it's it's terrible. It's terrible pretty much across the board. So what's your experience with the combat? Do you think it has legs for a 30-hour game? So what's what I like about the combat from what I've experienced is that it's as, you know, you don't have to really deal with it all that much. Um, you know, there are, there are little spatterings of anim- enemies all around. <clears throat> and you can you can fight them and you can get uh skill points for it but the like the skill points don't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things um what i do like about it is it, again it falls into that uh tony hawk thing where you you know you come off of a a cool little playground of rails and springs and all that stuff you see a bunch of enemies you do a quick side loop, swoop them up, and then like you know, knock them all out one at a time, and then you just move on. So like you don't really have to engage with combat all that all that often or for that all that long. Um, the combat against the the guardian bosses, I think, is a weaker part of the game um, because you usually have to do some sort of annoyingly long thing in order to make them vulnerable, <laughs> and then you uh. hit them five times, and they have to do it again. Um, That's awesome. So, sounds awesome. <laughs> Logan sounding very convincing over here. <laughs> All right. And then the cyberspace levels I'm wondering about too, because Sonic Forces, the 3D levels, Sonic just, <clears throat> you felt like you had no control or agency over him like you did in Generations or Colors or Unleashed. Uh, would you say these levels feel more like Forces or more like those other boost games? I don't think it feels like Forces. Forces, 
you know the the actual sonic levels i felt were very automatic um yeah they they don't really feel like that in this and also a lot of the a lot of the cyberspace levels are actually modeled after other sonic levels so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of levels that are modeled after sonic adventure 2 levels uh, i think there's a couple that are modeled after uh sonic generations so there's there's a big variety to them is what i'll say I could go the rest of my life without stepping foot in Green Hill Zone again. Oh my oh. gosh. It's in I got, every I got single bad news Sonic for you game. there. There's a lot uh, of Green Hill Zone in Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> yeah, not, not surprising. <laughs> How else would you know it was a Sonic game if you did start in Green Hill Zone? That's true. Yeah. You might think it was some other game entirely, and nobody <laughs> wants that. Sonic Sonic fans don't want some different game. They just want Sonic. Yeah. Uh well, November 8th, that's what, a, like a week and a half from now. So that is, that is crazy. So Sonic Frontier, are, Mitchell, are you, are you reviewing it or do you? No, I am not reviewing you're it. You're not reviewing it. Okay. Well, we'll be talking about that review with whoever reviewed it when it comes yeah. out November 8th. Uh, now we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to play uh, everyone's favorite NVC game, which is also the only NVC game and we've only ever played it once. <laughs> Wii game. Or something I made up. Now, this is a game where I went onto the Wikipedia entry that has every Wii game ever. And I went through and I pulled some that kind of caught my eye. And I also just made a couple up. And it's my question is to you, to the to the panel is, is this a real game or is this a game I made up? So uh Red, if you are ready with the uh with the graphics um to, for the reveal. I'm just gonna say the name and then we'll reveal whether it's it's real or not. So first game is National Lampoons Vegas Vacation the Game. Oh, that's Ooh. definitely yes. That's that's a Wii game. I'll say no. <laughs> real. I vote real. I'll real? I'll be the, the dissenting voice and say no. All right. So we have two for yes and one for no. It's definitely a game uh, that they showed off in a Walmart somewhere you're like, <laughs> you like you looked at the back of the box and you're going what is going on with these motion controls it's probably kind of a cartoony character cartoony i i don't think chevy chase is in this anymore did they uh, find somebody to replace they, chevy chase? they definitely found they definitely would have found a a voice replacement for chevy chase yeah in uh, vegas vacation actually did have chevy chase and randy quaid they were the only returning uh uh vacation every chase gotta get some work i mean come on he needed that paycheck but i i've never seen it but red would you please reveal the the true answer here oh dang hey. it. <laughs> it's actually not real that is a photoshop that i did that is not oh, a real okay. game. all right then i get a point over 20 <laughs> i suppose the over 25 raunchy las vegas mini games is maybe a giveaway because they would never put that on a week yeah. a wee game uh that is that's good box art seth good, yeah, yeah. good. thank you that's I wanted it to um not not till I actually said which was real which was not. So the next we game or not the Garfield show threat of the space lasagna. We all know kids <laughs> kids love love Garfield, but we all know that Garfield hates Mondays. Yes, uh, I, this is definitely yes. This is okay. a real thing. Yes, right. double down. It's real. Okay, it's real. I, I will agree that this one is real. Uh, Red, please reveal the answer. This is a real game. It hey, we did it. June 23rd in Europe, July 8th uh, of 2010 in North America. It is a mini game collection. Uh, it featured, <laughs> I was reading up on it. There's, there's no Wikipedia entry for this game. 
So I was reading on like a different site and they're like, it contains over 12 mini games. It's like, so oh, it's, thir wow. it's 13 mini games. I don't, I don't <laughs> know, but yeah, it supports the Wii Balance Board and Wii Motion Plus. So here's the balance board. One. That's crazy. It, it supports the balance board. All right. This is uh, the next one. Do not one. miss the Wii. Uh, I, hey, yeah. Wii nostalgia is real now. It's real. Old yeah, generation. I, I guarantee you, if you plug your Wii in and you start it up and you hear that, that chime and then the music, you will, you'll get all that, that nostalgia. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. I'm a Wii U, man. <laughs> okay. Pretty Pony Surprise. Action at the Equestrian Center. <sighs> yes. Yep. And in fact, I'd probably play this game. Um, I'll say no. Game of the year 2009. <laughs> I'll, I'll say yes as well. This seems this seems like a game that I, I could picture in like you know the bargain bin at a game uh, GameStop. I'm, so I'm struggling many. to imagine Seth actually making this game up. So that's Me too. also I'm why. my choice. Okay. Uh, Red, would you please show the graphic? No, I made this game up. Yes. Oh, dang. Oh. All right. <laughs> This I'm actually not... really impressed. I'm really impressed by these photoshops. <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing out. This Thank is you. impressive. Well, it's actually one of my favorite hobbies is to just make fake game boxes. So this was a nice little <laughs> way that I could, you know, do that. Wait, for work. Are you making all of these yourself? Uh, well, yeah, the fake ones. I'm making them myself. Yeah. So. Seth, you're you're a Photoshop ninja. I had no idea. Uh, it's one of the I've been using Photoshop since it was black and white on um, Macintosh. Actually, I just am, I never got good at it. I know a couple Hidden of deaths. What's that? Hidden deaths. I had no wow. idea. Ah, uh, oh, thank you for the kind words. But uh, this this, next this is one... why this is why that this is this is the number one game on NBC. <laughs> the effort that Seth puts into these <laughs> America's <workshops>. favorite game. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, all right, this next one, Jimmy Johnson's Anything with an Engine. Oh, uh, real. Jimmy Johnson? Real. Yes. Going real. He's Surely he's a football coach, right? And a NASCAR. Uh, There's two Jimmy Johnsons, yeah. Yes. He's also a NASCAR driver. Oh. But so I'm going I'm real. So, I apologize, NASCAR fans. Um, Big crossover yes, between this is, and this is a real thing. Okay. Mitchell. Real. I said real, yeah. You said real? So everyone yeah. agrees this is real? Yeah. Red with the reveal, please. 100% a real game. This was a... <laughs> a uh, Konami. A Konami game. Oh. It's a kart race during NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. It came out on Wii, PS3, Xbox 360. The first downloadable character for this game was announced by Jimmy Johnson on a segment on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. What? Was it Jimmy Fallon? It was Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man! And there's a great giant bomb video where they play this like when it was released, you know, 2007, I want to say. And the cutscenes, uh, if you're familiar with the show Tom Goes to the Mayor, it's that, but it's not meant to be like hilarious. It's just oh, unintentionally. No. Man. Yeah, imagine. Johnson. Anything Imagine if Konami like had DLC characters and it was like Simon Snake. from Castlevania, <laughs> Solid Snake. This just this ended up just becoming their mascot kart racer. <laughs> well, the best part about the Jimmy Fallon is that it's James Bond inspired Jimmy Fallon. So oh, I don't man. know, like I, I I don't know what that means, but uh, Jimmy Fallon. Fever pitch, Jimmy Fallon. Wow, <laughs> all of the Philip Jimmy Fallons. <laughs> there it is. Um, there, cut scenes. This is this is. This is oh, how it is. Oh my gosh! Like it's just 
That's the cutscene from. <laughs> wow. It's so bad. The Wii was awful. All right. Next game. Uh, real or made up? Merv Griffin's Crosswords. Fake. Oh. Uh, real. Yeah, they could do. They could do a little game show thing. I'm just going for... real with all of these at this yeah. point. I mean, you're gonna be right some of the time. So okay, fifty yeah. percent at least. <laughs> at least, uh, Merv Griffin's Crosswords is a real oh, Nintendo yeah. Wii game. Uh, it was based on a short-lived game show by the same name. Merv Griffin died shortly after the show began production in 2007. This was published is that by Merv THQ. Griffin? That is definitely not Merv Griffin. Uh, <laughs> Merv Griffin, uh, uh, very old at this point. I was going to say, he looks great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that his like prom picture? <laughs> would have died just, just short, shortly after. But yeah, uh, one thing that a lot of we bad shovelware Wii games have in common is THQ. Uh, they did a lot. But this was yeah. a North American only release, November 17th, 2008. So it was riding that wave of Peak shovelware days. Crosswords. Yeah. Everyone back, when, uh, back when THQ was still making so much money off licensed games on the oh, yeah. Nintendo DS and the Wii yeah. and everything. And then that they decided their... to get into AAA game <laughs> development. And that did not go so well for them. And then THQ Nordic, of course, took the name and resurrected it. And yep. now they're owned by Embracer Group. So that's a, a oh, yeah, legacy right. of THQ. But we did get a really cool Warhammer Space Marine game. Oh, we lost Cat. Space Marine game out of it. Oh, no, you're still here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, THQ. Yeah, good, good, good on them. They just ran themselves into the ground. But they also, that was probably the crossword game of the year. Or 2008, so <laughs> crossword game of the year. Crossword Some grandmother bought it and was just sitting in the oh, retirement sure. home doing the crossword with the Wii remote for some oh, reason. God, sounds horrible. like I could see on DS maybe, but all right. Anyway, all right. Next one, John Cena's Championship European Travel Guide. No way. No way. <laughs> but I, I can't wait to see Seth's Photoshop for it. <laughs> I'll say no. Yeah, that one was too easy. That was a gimme. That was easy. <laughs> I just wanted to make a Photoshop of John Cena. Or um, life. Rated T. It's rated T. The fact T that T. I'm sitting here thinking about it, like having a mole, tells you everything to know. Need to know about Wii shovelware. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is the final. This is the final one. This is for the whole game. Uh, Wii game or a game that I made up. <clears throat> Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. Sing and dance. Oh mm. yes, real, yes. real. Yeah, I'll be the I'll be the dissenting opinion and say no. All right, Jesus uh, Christ, superstar on the balance board. That is one of the musicals that is in the actual real game. Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Sing <laughs> and Dance, wow, which was released in Europe. Australia and Asia never came to Japan or the North American markets. But yeah, what kid didn't want to sing songs in front of their Wii from Jesus Christ Superstar or Joseph and Vita and Cats? Cats. Yeah. Oh, midnight and the kitties are sleeping. <laughs> that is nuts. I, I just, I just imagine this game being demoed at like E3 with like one of their little closed off sound booths. <laughs> like, it's just like it's empty most of the time, but you might just see one person walk in every now and then. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a PR. They're telling the PR people, "Hey, you gotta play this game." 
have to? Yes. We need someone to, we need to make it look like someone cares about this game. Yeah, that's definitely like, it's your first year at a company and it's your first E3 and like, oh, you got to go cover this game. Like, ah, uh, no. Oh, wow. If, look at this. What, wow. if you've ever wondered what cut rate Just Dance looks like, here you go. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This was only released in Europe. And uh, looking at the Wii game list, uh, there are a lot of like singing and dancing games that are exclusive to Germany. Like Germany was really stoked on singing and dancing games. Um, I obviously don't know anything about them because I don't speak German. Uh, and it's also a little heartbreaking. Oh. A lot of these games don't have any entry on Wikipedia whatsoever. Like I because can't believe. It's because the SingStar games were really big. Oh, back right. In the day. Unlike the PS2. Yeah. And so I think this was just their attempt to kind of, you know, uh, crib off that success in Europe. I just, like, I, I thought I was going to trick everybody with Andrew Lloyd Webber musical sing and dance. Cause I was like, well, that's just, nah, too absurd. Nah, that's just too nah. absurd. It's to too be, real. Uh, it's, but it is a very real Wii game. It was a dark time. Um, I think there's, in the future, there's going to be an iteration of this game that's just for the Nintendo Switch because we've reached that critical mass of, garbage games now that come out are you disrespecting andrew lloyd weber one of the greatest broadway musical people of our time listen i'm team rogers and hammerstein all day every day so how long was the cats on broadway seth how the, dare you it was the longest running broadway production ever and it was also one of the worst so <laughs> I'm just yeah. like I'm just like imagining like a well-meaning grandma who knows that their grandchild lo loves musicals but is also a really big gamer getting that game for them and them just like opening it up and be like oh yeah thanks I, thanks grandma well, you love phantom of the opera when we went to new york that one time <laughs> well the thing is it would have had to have been like a european family too because this never came out in north america yeah, so they went to new york yeah. Really enjoyed Phantom of the Opera. They, they got it for young Bruno. You know, <laughs> Bruno. Uh, I, now I kind of want to get a copy of this game. It's the weirdest game that I have is a DS uh, Stop Smoking Coach. And I only bought it because it's, I think it's the only game, the only video game in history that has a box quote from, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> this helped he, me stop smoking. It helped him stop smoking. Yeah, so sounds that's like a the, Simpsons gag, honestly. It really does. It is some <laughs> some actual absolute what putting challenge. Lee Carvello's putting Lee challenge. Carvello's putting challenge. Thank you all for playing. I hope you at home had Did a good time. Yeah, cat. By the way, you're the winner. Congratulations, Woo! you're the champion. Just because if you if you don't know, you just say it's real every time, and that's the strategy. It's not about points. It's not about getting it right. It's about who has the best strategy? It's I destroyed both of you. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, Mitchell. Sorry, Logan, but you you both lost. This, I this declared no, myself this is a no winner longer my favorite game. Else could. <laughs> this is no longer it's, my favorite NVC. But it's everybody's game. favorite NVC game. <laughs> Isn't Question Block a game? Lie. Wasn't that a debate years ago? Question Block a game? Ooh. Yeah. That's a good. Oh, that was a debate on NVC back in the that's day. That's a good question. Uh, and it just it lets me segue right into question block because that I got you is our next question. So thank you, Logan, for that excellent segue. Uh, David Golitz, please forgive me, everyone, for mispronouncing your last 
last names. Uh, now that we've been playing our favorite games on the go for a while, what's a place that makes you think of a particular game? And then David says, for example, airplanes remind me of Dead Cells. I'm going to think about my in-laws house. Uh, I often get nostalgic for ukulele. So are there any games that remind you of a specific locale? And I am going to answer this question first because I already had my, and I've, I talk about it all the time, Ocarina of Time reminds me of when I was stationed in Germany and it specifically reminds me of my dorm room in Germany when the 4th of July activities were happening. I had my window open because Germans don't believe in air conditioning uh, and I would play Ocarina of Time all day and listen to one of the rides playing Mambo Number no. 5 every 10 minutes because that's when that song came out. So yes, Ocarina of Time reminds me of uh, Rammstein Air Base in Germany. Does anyone else have... I will say school bus, you know, you uh, the the question says that we've been playing games on the go for a while. I've been playing my favorite games on the go for all my life. Um, and yeah, I would say school buses bring me back to playing Link's Awakening on a Game Boy. Nice. Um, cuz yeah, that that that's the game I would play whenever I was on a school bus to some sort of field trip or uh, you know, camp location. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Kat, is there any game that reminds you of any particular place? Uh, Pokemon Gen 4, specifically, the original Diamond and Pearl. Very much Japan. Because I bought that game when it first came out in Japan, um, and I started playing it. I was, like, very excited because I was playing it before anybody else got it in America, because this is back before Pokemon was being released globally at the same time. And uh, I jumped into the community that was playing on Cerebi.net and we were trading Pokemon. And I mostly knew the Pokemon by their Japanese names, like Hikozaru, Hikozaru and Jibacoil and all of them. Wait, what and, are those? What, what are those? Uh, that would be Magnazone and uh, Chimchar. Oh, wow. So, um, but... I, I was really digging it at the time. I was playing a lot online. I started a league. I started a Pokemon league on IGN.com, the oh, IGN dang. boards. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. You, if you look hard enough, I think you can still find a uh, original message board thread from like 2007 <laughs> that, I, uh, that I did. Awesome. I was writing. I wasn't just making these like actual tournament brackets. I was doing blog posts about living in Japan and stuff so cool. uh, as part of this. But I, so yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of Gen 4 for that reason, sitting around grinding and raising Pokemon while having the anime on loop that I downloaded from like a BitTorrent. <laughs> the OG, like season one, season two, season three like kind of anime. 40 resolution, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of Pokemon while I was living in Japan, so. Um, for, for that reason, even though Gen 4 is no longer my favorite, um, it still retains a really special place in my heart. So cool. Awesome. Logan, what about you? What, what game takes you to, to a location? Yeah, mine's, uh, mine's fairly recent. It was, I guess, five years ago now. But uh, Splatoon 2 always makes me think of a, a baseball stadium that I worked at one summer. Uh, there was a brief time along my video game journalism journey. I took a detour, thought I was going to do baseball broadcasting because baseball is like my favorite thing in the world. So I took a summer job 
calling play-by-play for this summer team. It was the same summer that Splatoon 2 came out. You'd have to get to the ballpark like six hours before first pitch, uh, and you'd like do interviews before the game. And then there'd be like three hours where you had nothing to do. So I would just have Splatoon 2 there. Uh, and I remember that. And then that summer experience quickly turned me off from doing baseball play-by-play because <laughs> it is a grind. It's an absolute grind to work in the minor leagues. And uh, now I'm here. But yeah, those those two things are kind of connected for me. That's very cool. Actually, that that's perfect because uh, we, we talked about this a little before the show, but this is a, a Cat and Logan question from Ronnie Anthony. Astros or Phillies? Phillies. Astros are cheaters, and I will not forgive them until any player that was a part of the team that cheated their way to a World Series in 2017 is no longer on the team. So, Phillies all the way. Okay. Sorry, Houston fans. I, well, first of all, I am an AL fan, so I'm disinclined to root for AL teams. I will tend to root for the NL team every time. Uh, I have no beef with Phillies. They're kind of a, a cool team. Honestly, I don't have any great love for uh, Philadelphia as a sports town, but they are passionate, I suppose. And, you know, Houston, Houston's been around too much. They've been too successful. I'm a little sick of them. Uh, Thank you for your service and sweeping the Yankees. Get out of here, (laughs) Yankees. Appreciate you. But Uh, I am now rooting for the Phillies to break their hearts. Sorry, Clint Gage. I apologize to you wearing your Houston Astros hat all the time, but Phillies all the way. All right. Mitchell, do you have any any opinion? I sure hope the best team wins. Yeah. That's that all you need ask for, so we don't want that. I'm going to say the Astros just because I loved their 1980s uniform because it was the worst. It was absolutely the most hideous of all, and I love it. And also, best uh, trend in baseball is the hideous, uh, the hideous uniforms coming back. So they're no longer hideous. Now I love them. I know. Now I love the Retro, pastels. I, I used to, when I collected baseball cards, I used to throw out Astros because I was so offended by the color scheme <laughs> of their uh, uniform. Awesome. With the exception of uh, Nolan Ryan, who I believe played for the Astros, but I, I might be yeah, missing. I know he played for the Rangers. Okay. Um, yeah, Nolan he played Ryan. for everybody. Yeah. Well, he played for like 19 years. He's like one of my favorite um, baseball players of all time because when I was in Little League, I was a pitcher. Um, so I just love Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens, uh, later Randy Johnson, all those guys. Anyway. All the most toxic uh, baseball players. Listen, I was a child. I guess Randy Johnson was. Randy Johnson was all right. Yeah. You know, he's a, a football. He, he, he's a uh, bird murderer, Randy Johnson. Oh, my God. I was going to mention the bird murder. He's a professional <laughs> NFL photographer now. Like he's on the sidelines with yeah. you know, $25,000 worth of equipment. And his photography music. logo is a, a dead bird with feathers. like Is it really? Oh Those who don't God. know, Randy Johnson pitched for the Arizona Diamondbacks and he famously, he didn't do it on purpose. He threw a fastball at the same time a bird flew in the path of this rocket from this six foot nine man's arm and just obliterated it was just a cloud like a cartoon cloud of feathers it looked like if uh, like heathcliff got into a fight and there was instead of fish bones it was feathers like that's i feel bad because i like animals but uh, you gotta watch the video it's something else still to it's this day like... one of the wildest things i've ever seen on the internet <laughs> just yeah. in terms of like not being planned just the the sheer astronomical chance that that could happen yeah yeah it's and it's not like gruesome or anything it's just it looks like a cartoon it's just a, a puff of feathers, and it's like, oh, my God. America's it's... favorite Wii game, Randy Johnson's Bird Murder and Sim. <laughs> <Randy> Johnson's... <laughs> hey, it's all related because the Nintendo used to own the Mariners. 
Uh, That's also true. Ken Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, baseball. God, I regret selling my Seattle Mariners Nintendo DS when I was trying to raise money for something. I don't know why. I can't believe you had that. Uh, That would be. Mariners are my team. It was at my goodwill. And I don't know how it got there. And it was in really good condition. And I was like, well, I have to have this. And then and I, uh, I don't regret selling off my collection, but that's one of the things. Cause it's just so weird. There's they had like, this cool thing at the ballpark where you could connect your DS to the Mariners yeah. Wi-Fi network and like order food and like yep. look at stats and stuff like that. And that's so cool. It's four smartphones. It was crazy. Yeah. I think they should bring that back. I, well, I guess I'm not going to spend. $200 for a Switch Lite for one baseball. <laughs> uh, man, that was cool. Anyway, all right. Uh, Mark Stemmeyer, Stemmeyer asks, if you could pick one game from your past to erase from your memory so you could play it today like it was the first time, what game would it be? So it's a hypothetical scenario where, or it's a, that movie, you know, the movie with that guy from Sonic. The Jim Carrey fella, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. You can go into the clinic and they'll wipe that one memory away of one game and you get to enjoy it for the very first time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a Nintendo game because that's not specified. So any game from any time, any period, any system, what would it be? This one's super easy for me. Uh, I'm All right. Go. Is it a Sonic game? It Sonic is not. Frontiers? No, uh, this is this is actually really relevant because today is its fifth birthday. But Super Mario Odyssey is easily oh, my answer for this one. I think that one. that game just has like four or five unforgettable jaw dropping moments that just blew my mind when I played through that back on its launch five years ago. Just yeah. it's just the coolest game start to finish. Just smile plastered on your face, a dumb big grin the whole time you play that game. And yeah, I would love to forget some of those just amazing reveals and moments from that game. Because I know I'd still love it. Sometimes it's like, well, if if you forget something and play it, would you still love it as much as you did, like when you were younger and played it? But Odyssey is just so amazing that yeah, I know that I would. So that's, that's a good answer. Favorite. That New Donk City segment is just yes. unbelievable. But Cat, what what game would you erase so you could enjoy it again, fresh? Uh, I will say I have a couple of different answers. I will say the Nintendo related one and say Chrono Trigger. I think would be oh, that's a good one be my pick just like you know being able to experience that story for the first time again those characters and especially the music um you know that game i think to this day has some of the best music i've ever i've ever experienced playing games and uh just all around that game is just so phenomenal i would love to be able to experience the joy of going through that game for the first time again nice remake chrono trigger yeah, seriously, what the <laughs> hell? Or just like let no, us No, don't remake play it, again. it. Yeah, just we'll just mess it up. Put it on Super NES on Nintendo Switch Online. So, all right. Yeah, that that's a good answer. Cat, what about you? Um I I I just keep throwing out Pokémon and it feels like the easy answer at this point. I do play other games, I promise. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say Pokémon because when, when I played the original Pokémon Red, I felt like I was stepping into this fantastic world and there was a real magic to picking my monster and constantly discovering new monsters and new secrets and being surprised and the, the joy of the getting all the badges and the, the shock reveal. Oh my God, Gary's the champion. What? 
<laughs> discovering the elite four for the first time and feeling like i'm having to battle really hard i know too much about pokemon so i know about all the systems and i see the seams and i still play it and i still really enjoy it but it doesn't have that emotional connection for me anymore right. in the same way that it did when i first started playing it and all was so new and everything so i would love to remove that cynicism um, not even cynicism, experience, familiarity. Yeah. The Pokemon series and be able to see it with fresh eyes, especially especially now when there are so many Pokemon out there and you're like, wow, wow. there's so much to so much to discover, so much to learn. Yeah. That's a good answer as well. My answer is Breath of the Wild. Like I just mm. I love that game so much. And I know that really you can just play it again and there's so many things that you didn't experience the first time that it kind of is. But I would like to, I mean, I'm, part of the uh, the joy of Breath of the Wild for me at the time was I didn't think they were going to be able to pull it off. I was like, I don't know about this. This is a pretty pretty lofty, lofty ambitions that they have for the Legend of Zelda series. And then they did, and they did it better than I had hoped or even expected. So, man, that was a good one. Yeah. Now I'm not going to play it again. I'm, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking. So, all right. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week oh, no. on NVC. I know it's always a bummer, but please follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcast. Submit your question block questions to NBC at IGN.com with a subject line question block. I want to say thank you to Mitchell. Mitchell, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Jurassic Rabbit. All right, Logan, thank you. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Logan J. Plant. And quick shameless plug for nope. my Nintendo podcast. It's called the Toadstool Boardroom. You can yeah. check it out also on Thursdays as a little opening act before your NBC episode drops. Ooh, so a little, little doubleheader every week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Odell, you, you do that with Odell, right? Yeah, Odell and Chris okay. Driver, who worked uh, Weekend Social for IGN for a long time. Oh, okay. I, I know both those people. I know Odell, he's he's a good dude. So, all right. Uh, also, thank you, Red, for being on the ones and twos. Most of all, thank you for hanging out with us. And remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Oh.